House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren, and Mr. Dave North Martino is back. My full name. Yeah. I'm being I'm, polite, I'm, I told you. It's no. back week on, week off. It's like wax oh, no. on, wax off. <laughs> right? The off weeks are the worst, though, then. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> just, just remember that next week. Yeah, next week. Yeah, next week, call it oh, sick. Oh, man. Yeah, it's time I, to be I'm here. going to. Yeah, you're going to be, you know, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> I tell you. Well, you know, and it's funny, you know, we should have this. I see, like, how Uber now and stuff like that, Yeah, they get to rate the passengers now. Oh, really? Yeah. I so didn't you can give your you can give your passenger one star. Huh? Right? That's we need to start rating our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Be nice, Al. Be nice. Well, think about it. They they get to know <laughs> they get to say and do all this stuff and type in and write and yeah, one star me or five star <laughs> whatever. Now, wouldn't it be nice if I could do that back and they had their uh, profile set up and they could say, well. You know they're a terrible listener. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, You're a futurist. I, I'm so much in the you future, you know. Yes. But I'm too old to get there, so I, I won't be there. But I'm giving people ideas. Make your life better, and just follow my my advice, and you'll be there. That's yeah. right. Anyway, well, speaking of that, now, so uh, we've got a writer on, and, um, you know, he, he used to be a dentist, and it's hmm. funny, because there's that dentist all over the news, the guy that uh, poisoned his wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I can see why yeah. he's writing more of a, you know, mystery and, and stuff, and crime and stuff, <laughs> I, it fits. Anyway, yeah. so, uh, Mr. Peter Thomas Ponce, thank you for being here. Thank you, and maybe I should correct you right off the bat, I'm not a dentist. I'm. Uh, oh. I was a dental technologist, and uh, I, okay. I owned a dental supply company. But I'm retired now, so I'm ten years away from that. So um, now let's talk about where you came from, who you were. You were you were in that industry for quite a while. What made you um, get into writing? Like, what made you decide to write a book? Okay, first of all, I decided that it could be a good idea, as I needed to, I needed to leave something behind. I thought, and a legacy would be a great idea, and a literary one wouldn't hurt. Um, going back, um, in my marketing part of our business, I started with a newsletter and I found it really uh, successful because I put my picture on the front of it and my bio. And then every month I would send them out to all my customers across Canada. And when I walked in the door, they recognized me. It was kind of cool. Um, I started writing a lot more of these journals into the journals, the dental journals, and these articles started, uh, helping us promote our business because we put an ad in one side and a, um, an article in the other. So the dental journals were really helpful in the marketing part of our business. And when I finally sold the business, what, 10 years ago, um, the same day I had found out there was a, a writing workshop at the library in the, in the local town. And I told my wife, I'm going. She said, darn it, you just signed the paper. The ink is still wet. And you want to go write? I said, yeah. So, that's the kind of thing that kind of spurred me. I just wanted to change the way I was writing, but I always wanted to write because I had been encouraged by other people to get that, that um, how would you call it, the creativity out. See, as a dental technologist, I was at desk making all kinds of dental prostheses, so my hands were always busy. My mind was always busy. But it's not the same thing 
when um, your hands get idle. So sitting around for a while, I thought, huh, I better do something. And this, and this is what I decided to do. And actually, I've been having a lot of fun doing it. Well, I bet, you know, because um, you can get a lot of your creativity out there then, right? You're not stuck. So what made you go to, like, this is um, kind of a, a crime, a mystery. Um, is that sort of what you like to read yourself? I do, yeah. One of the first uh, articles of um, art, author, pardon me, authors that I really um, fell in love with was uh, Clive Custler. And I got most of his books here. And I really enjoyed his, his stuff. The, um, the writing style wasn't uh, the kind of thing you would get from, you know, if, you, if you've got something like a, a Brooker Prize or a Giller Prize writer. He wasn't, he wasn't like that. He was writing adventure. He was writing stuff you could read and be entertained. And he was really good at it because the public loved him. I mean, he's, he made so many uh, books. He wrote so many books. But that was where I started. I thought I'd do an adventure story. And this one that I've got is just packed full of stuff like like that. I've got so many different scenes, so many different action scenes and uh, and whatnot. But, yeah, that's that's one of the guys I, I, I read. And Baldacci, uh, David Silva, uh, Lee Child. I love his stuff, too. You know, I like Jack Reacher. He's really cool. Well, what was the transition like um, going from writing articles to creative fiction? Did you find that difficult, or was that an easy uh easy bridge yeah i don't think it was so easy the only thing that was really easy was the research because i'd done so much research with the uh, the dental um articles that i wrote and uh, they were a lot of them were almost like uh papers because i had references at the bottom from some of the the references i used from different books to support my thesis on the, on the work that i did so that transformation was good i mean you could you could find the research because it was it was the diff most difficult part to do but the, I think the transition that I found was not that easy was getting the characters and the plots and the storyline. But uh, when you find um, something can spur you into creating, which I got when I got that book called 1421 from a friend of mine, that book is from Velika uh, Menzies, I got an idea there and I kind of, uh, you know, I think I can write something along that line. I think I can do something that... Clive Custler did, and uh, why not I just give it a shot? What have I got to lose? So I sat down and I, I started doing it. That's interesting. So what, what, how did you start this? How did you attack this? Did you have your uh, main characters first, like the William Fox and Patrick Riley? Did you have that already created, or did you have a storyline first or setting? Like where did it – how did it begin? Okay, William Fox I created when I was on Peely Island. Um, don't know if you're familiar with that. Some people know where it is. Some people don't. Just for the sake of geography, I'm going to tell your uh, listeners that it is an island in Lake Erie, and it's halfway between Canada and the United States. You could say it's almost opposite Rochester. And during the Prohibition days, the gangsters used to be on that island helping well, getting the booze across from Canada to, to the United States, a place where uh, Al Capone and the Purple Gang used to hang out. Now, I went there one time for a vacation. I spent some time at, the, at a cottage, and they have a museum there. It's really interesting because it's got all the local stories there. And one of the stories that uh, I felt was fascinating was um, about this runner. Um, he had a beautiful uh, Chris Craft wooden boat, and it was really souped up. He used to run that boat across to Rochester. He got a, a real reputation, so much so that the American Coast Guard was after him. So one night when he was out, they rammed his boat and broke it in half. Now, 
that I found kind of interesting because the, the name of the boat was called the Midnight Fox. And so I used that as um, a storyline in my latest book, uh, William Fox is the is the character. Now, he also has a cigarette boat called the Midnight Fox. So uh, that's one of the things that I kind of took from one of my experiences. So, uh, in fact, a lot of times you'll get your ideas like that. I think you've talked to a lot of authors, uh, Alan, so you know that... Uh, and 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 uh, you know that these guys um, and and folks, these women, men who write, they get their ideas from a lot of different sources. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different. Yeah, everyone's a little different. It's how they get their creativity or whatever gets them going, you know. And um, how do you how do you attack a, a, a you know one of your characters? How do you how do you create them? And and do you are you one of those authors that sees their characters or they become real and you kind of have. Uh, conversations with them and the whole thing or, or is this something that is different for you? I don't think it's much different than, than what a, a lot of other authors do because I've got spurned by, I'm not spurned but I've got, uh, uh, got my creative juices going when I've read um, some of these uh, characters and some of their flaws and whatnot. But what I use is a template. It's called a, a character arc template and basically I put down their height, their eyes, the colors of their bodies, their education, even right down to their horoscope signs and um, what they like to wear, what they say. Sometimes some of them have certain uh, cues that they, they always say during their conversations. So I try to build as much as I possibly can in that regard. And um, then I try to apply that to uh, certain um, characters and some of their flaws and whatever. But that's where the, that's where the beginning is. And then sometimes while you're writing, uh, as you're interacting with other characters, they can actually change or you might want to add something or take something away. So there's where your, developer, your character development begins, uh, at least with me anyhow. Like I'm working on one right now uh, for my second novel. And uh, at first I thought he was just going to be a transitory you know, person just you know, in and out of the scene. But now he started to develop some, some character. And I thought, okay, well, he's starting to interest me, so maybe I better add some character um, parts to him, like, you know, what, how big he is, what he's wearing, and what that. So I, I spent more time um, developing him, because now as he's interacting with William Fox, he's going to be starting to um, have to have some, some human characters, right? So, um, yeah, and in a way, it's, it all develops. And so how much of yourself do you think you put in these characters? Some, but I wouldn't put all of them in there, because... Of, there, there's, um, you know, I wouldn't say I'm flawless, but my flaws are completely different than some of the people that are in my books. Um, there are some things that I use because they're close and they're easy and they're comfortable because, you, you know, William Fox has a few things that I have that I, I like. I mean, primarily some of the foods we eat, some of the, boo the booze we drink or things like that. But I'm do, I do well with my relationships with women, but uh, William has had some problems with his. So there's some, some differences. I would say they're. Um, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm close to my characters in that regard, but I find that I'll see something from someone, and uh, I might put it down and say, "Well, you know, this is an interesting person. I like them. They're great, good company." But there's something there that I could use, and so I might just jot it down and add it to a couple. So the composites; these characters are composites, and they can be, they can have all kinds of different ideas, um, and they can have all different kinds of co composition depending on how they fit into the, play, into the story. That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, with your with your dialogue and, and crafting dialogue, do, do you have an inner monologue? Can you hear your characters? Is that how you create dialogue, or do you have you found some other way? That's a good question. Um, I never really thought of it that in that particular way. I, it's, it's you know, as you know, it's difficult to do good dialogue and make it make sense um, because we when we talk, we go home and aha, and you know, we we stop and we think and. You know, maybe we raise our hands or something. So that is very difficult to put in a book. So a little bit of it is, is contrived to make it work a little better. So that's the way I work. I try to make it sound like it's realistic, but it can't be totally realistic because it would just be more, it'll be jumbled. Right. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of authors have their own particular way of doing it. But in the end, it's got to sound, it's got to sound realistic. That's all there is to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, every author's different, you know. You hear all sorts of stuff. Now, now you've got a lot of history. Like, you really have um, done the research. How long does it take you to get through that? Like, when you're talking about um, the, the China connection and and, and uh, the Communist Party and all that stuff, that must have taken you quite a while to get all of that together in your mind in order to use that in the story. Yes, and there was it, it took a, a, quite a long time to get that organized, and, of course, well, we had to uh, throw a lot of it out because it was just uh, exposition, well, actually info dump, as they say. And uh, no one wants to see too much of that. It's, it's not a history book. But I did want to have something that was going to make some sort of sense so that you get a background of the story. Um, and in this particular instance, it has to do with Jeffrey Jordan, uh, with, uh, Tracy's, uh, Tracy's uh, father, who did something in this past that's trying to catch up to him. And, and that's all I'll give at that stage. But... The point is that you know, in order for me to do that backstory, I had to give a lot of um, a lot of information. And so, while I was at it, I thought I might make a little bit of a political statement too. You have to be careful there, hey? These days, oh yeah, you just never know, <laughs> right? You have, to, you have to draw the line and kind of decide on how much you want to give away about politics, because it seems like people are so intense nowadays. It's it, yeah, it's true. But the thing is, the the message should be, you should be like. Uh, to me, you should have a message of some sort. I mean, it's not necessary to to just make a, a wonderful story. And sometimes a lot of authors don't want to leave anything behind. They just want to entertain. But for me, I, I have a little passion about democracy. I like it. I don't like uh, totalitarian uh, governments. And I don't like what's going on in, in, the, uh, in the world right now. So uh, if I say to uh, myself, I'm going to say, like, I might put something into the book that just might show people to, you know, wake up. Take a look. Maybe there's something you're missing here, because uh, you may be, you know. And that's all I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to make a big political statement. Yeah. No, and of course, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm totally open to I think that's fine. I think people should be able to be honest. It's not a big deal. It's just nowadays online, you know, you can say something and, and people can be really upset. Um uh, you know, everyone has such different points of views. Are, are you, do you, do you take into account that? Are you a little bit, um, let's say, um, are you trying to be sensitive when you write, let's say, violence on the page or something like that, when there's something going on? Do you, do you consciously think about how you're going to uh, present something like that? I have done some, um, some soul searching. Um, I don't know so much about the violence because, um, well, we see enough of that on television every day. Uh, so I think a lot of us are pretty immune to that. And if it adds to the story, I'll leave it. But one of the things I have come across recently is um, I was, the protagonist had an Indian motorcycle. And there was also, I believe, um, 
a yellow one from 1948 in the Indian Smithsonian uh, Indian um, Museum. And as I passed that, I wrote I wrote it up because I, I thought it was an integral part of the story. And I, as I wrote it up, my editor was talking to me. He said, "Peter, you know, you're not being sensitive enough here." I said, oh, "What do you mean?" Well, this is a, what we consider cultural misappropriation. And I said, well, um, I've never come across that before. Just a story. Well, no, I think people are getting more sensitive. So I said, okay, then let's just take it out, and I'll just change the motorcycle to something else. And the last thing I want to do is cause any waves. But um, in my in my uh, journeys, I found out now there is um, a lot of publishers who do have sensitivity readers who are uh, reading and uh, making sure that a lot of um, – the books are, are cleaned up and censored before they get out because they don't want to offend anybody. Do you, so what do you think about that? Is that something that – did did it bother you to take the, the Indian name from the motorbike and change it to another brand? Um, does that bother you or is that fine? doesn't matter. No, I, I let it go because I, I thought she had a good point. And um, although the other day I was driving by this uh, – a small town and there was a big billboard out there with the Indian bike on it. I mean, they're still selling it. Um, we've seen a lot of uh, sports clubs change their names because they realize that uh, it's a sensitive nature. Um, I think I think you'll see more and more authors um, thinking about what they're putting down because I don't think they want to offend people. Um, this wokeness that we're, we're, we're walking through right now uh, in, in, our, in our generation, in our culture, is affecting a lot of the things we're doing. So if you want to feel um, and be sensitive to what's going on, then I think um, we should be doing some of some of it. But I'm kind of also concerned about uh, censorship too, because if you do stop um, saying what you feel, and I, I don't know if that's really um, a good thing either. I mean, we're, we built our, our governments on, on free speech. So somewhere along the line, there's something has to give. No, and I agree with that. I think you should be able to say what you want but i you know i it's kind of weird as long as as long as government or control agencies don't start censoring or changing things like if you want to if indian bike wants to change their name to a different name i think that's great that's their own choice but if someone's making them do it i'm not really a fan of it you know i think that's kind of where i draw the line right now i might change well you got a point because i think that people should uh or corporations should change because they want to not because they're forced to do that yeah they should want if if if, if people in society in general don't like them using that name if they want to keep and stay in business then they should sort of kind of do something about it i think that's that's their choice if they want to be in business you know that's kind of what you do but uh i don't i don't like see them seeing them being forced to change you know um, it's kind of weird. It's it's really a weird time right now for stuff like that. Yeah, I think a lot of us have to tread quite carefully on on how things are. I mean, I was in, I was in business for quite a long time, and my last business was twenty three years. You, to be good corporate citizens, you do have to do things um, to to enhance your image, and if that means being uh, uh, changing the way you do business to uh, help make your uh, make your customers feel uh, happy that you're dealing with you, that's that's what you do. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's a good policy. Um, 
So where do you want to go with this? Like you've written this book, and it sounds like you're kind of working on another one now. Are you are you planning on a, a full series, like 10, 12 books? Do you have that kind of all in your head now, or are you just kind of going with it? Right now I've, I've given myself a goal of five. I'm going to try to do one every year for the next uh, four years and uh, see where that takes me. And then I'm just going to take a, you know, lift my head up from my from my, uh, from my computer and say, okay, where to next? But hopefully I'll have four by then. And if there's anything left in there on uh, William Fox, if he can continue, I, I'll continue. Uh, and after all, uh, William, um, uh, Louise Penny's got this gamage character, and uh, he's around. He's been around for a long time. And she's, what, up six, 17 books now, I think. So, yeah, so... I'll stop when my fans or my or my readers say that's enough. Well, I mean, so do you, do you, how do you keep track of, of of Fox and and the changes and all the different things throughout? Because I mean, when you write, let's say if you get up to seventeen books, um, that character's going to have quite a bit of growth or quite a few things happen, and he's going to change. But do you, is there some sort of way you keep track of this, or are you going to keep track of this? Well, I heard something the other day that really intrigued me. Someone mentioned something about a Bible. And I mentioned that to uh, my wife, who also helps me uh, with my administration and all that sort of stuff. And she said, you know, we should start one. And I think it's a great idea because I don't know if anybody could keep all those things together. I mean, off, I, I found myself um, in my first book just finding so many things that I had missed. Like one day, maybe two days you didn't write. You might write something else like, oh, brown eyes instead of blue eyes. Well, you, this is just going to be edited out afterwards, but you can make it a lot easier if you don't do that in the fourth book. So, um, yeah, you need something like that, yeah. So I think a, 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 the idea of having a Bible or some sort of book that has all these um, things in it will help you take your character through its through their lifetime. Oh, yeah, I think it's super important um, because, yeah, when you get, you know, four or five books down the road, uh, there will be questions that come up, and you'll have to keep going back and trying to remember or going back in your manuscripts, kind of go, oh, what, what, you know, think, little things, you know, what they drive, what they drink, what they, you know, it's, there's a lot. Yeah, keeping track in a Bible like that. And I think I think there's a program, too. Isn't there a program people use, Dave? Don't you use Scribner or something? Or Yeah, I use Scribner. Scribner, okay. Yeah, I've heard of that. Apparently that's quite good. I, I've never done that because I've never done a series with one character. I make sure they're dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what are you? You're up. You're up to fifteen books, are you now? Who me? Or you got more? Yeah. No, I've got, got twenty nine. It's twenty nine. Well, okay. I I must have missed them. Oh yeah, I've got twenty nine out. Yeah, um, but but I, they're all they're all true stories. Uh, most of them are all true stories. So they, you know, there's no real chain in them. You know what I mean? It's not like a a series unless it's a series for a type of murder or type of killing that's going on. So. You know, it's uh, but they're tied together loosely, so we don't have carryover. So I don't need to keep track of them. <laughs> they're dead or in jail, so we don't need to know. You know, it's over. Um, yeah. Well, that's interesting. So that's great. Uh, so, um, how long did it take you to put together this book and put it out? How long does it take you as a writer? Okay, this was my first, so it took me a lot longer than uh, it should have. Right. Um, let's see. It took me about four and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's normal. And I, uh, well, is, yeah, I, I, I yeah. hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a, I had to stop for a little bit because I, I wanted to get back into learning a little bit more about my craft. So at that particular point, halfway through the book, 
I took a course at the University of Waterloo on advanced uh, fiction writing. And then after I finished that, um, COVID hit. And then I had, what, two years of uh, just getting down into it because there wasn't really much else you could do. So, yeah. you know, and that's the last two years were the quickest. What what's your big what would you find to be the biggest challenge? Like why like when you say you wanted to learn more about the craft, what is it that you're thinking of in your mind at the time? Were you thinking that uh something about the writing or what was it that you were looking for? I think thing uh, pretty well up um sentence structure, dialogue and you know, plot lines. Um actually one of the things I've really had uh, issues with was um timelines. Uh when I first wrote this book I was writing uh a romantic um, section where uh, Tracy and, and William were walking uh, on the tile base in Washington, D.C., um, underneath the Japanese maples, uh, and there were, there were cherries, pardon me, and the cherry blossoms were on, and I had them like, going in there in December, and then we, we, they had to turn sod and said, where, where have you been? You know? <laughs> oh, oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. So, there was a lot of rewriting, you know, and because once you change that, then you have to change a whole lot of other stuff to make it fit back in together again. So that was, the, I think, the biggest challenge I've had is timelines, making sure that the uh, that, that I have the, the dates right and the temperatures right, the people are wearing the proper clothes, where they are. And if I take it over a certain amount of period of time, I mean, some books uh, write, you know, a story in a week, some are for years and whatever, you know. But um, whatever you go through, make sure that all of that stuff kind of fits. Yeah. Now I did on March 19th, I had my, um, I had my book launch and I had a, I had a Q and I Q and a going and some, um, a lady in the audience was talking to me about a particular author who was uh, talking about, um, flowers growing in December and chipmunks running around. And, uh, I said, well, I'm not going to call out that author, um, because that's their editor probably missed that. But the point is that whatever you do, you have to make sure that things like that are absolutely true. Because, you know, you get these questions and you get people saying, well, that's not right. Um, yeah. So, you know, even small things, I mean, like even a motorcycle, if you if you crank, what do you crank, how you crank it up or down? I mean, like, right. if you don't know a motorcycle and you say you crank it one way and it's supposed to go the other way. Well, you may not be called out. Ninety people will read it and won't even think about it. But the guy who knows how to ride a motorcycle is going to say, I'm calling you out on that. So these even the small things are important. Yeah. Well, you know, and if so, they're Canadian, they'll wear shorts in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or if they're in Costa Rica, they don't wear helmets. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'm wondering too. You know, talking about that, uh, talking about uh, uh, weather changes and changes in daylight, or it's nighttime. I'm wondering, you know how you experience uh, writing the story. Do you find it, because um, I do, I, I find it's almost like a daydream to me sometimes. And like in a dream, things will just like change. All of a sudden it'll be night when it, it was just day a second ago. And in the dream, it always seems normal. And it doesn't seem out of out of the ordinary. But then, you know, when you wake up, you're like, oh, it was day, it was night. And I find that that happens to me sometimes when I'm, when I'm writing, is that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, one chapter is, you know, like you said, it's summer, and then all of a sudden it's winter, and it doesn't, it doesn't jive, and, and you have to change that. Is that how you experience it, or uh, do you, do you um, is it some other way? I don't know if I can put my finger on it quite like mm. that. Um, 
I, I do drift in and out of uh, creativity. Um, I don't know if I would call it a daydream, but I suppose um, maybe it's true. I never really sat and analyzed it. Um, but, um, yeah, you can, like, in this climate here in Canada, you know, one day it's snowing. I mean, we do get all the four seasons, right? Yeah. The next yeah. day it's sunny. Um, like this morning, I was out for a walk, and now we've got flurries happening. So, I mean, yeah, the, the, I'm used to change of, of weather. And uh, sometimes... Um, yeah, I really, I really don't know how to answer that one, uh, except that when I do uh, do it, I just, I try to place my people in a certain part. Like, say, for instance, okay, we're in Montreal, uh, we're heading to um, Nova Scotia. Um, are we going to pack our bags with this kind of clothing? Uh, is the weather going to be better there? Or you know, and we're in the airplane and we see the sun, sunlight uh, in the air, and then we're heading down. We we land. It's it's uh, rainy. It's uh, it's it's uncomfortable. You know, we have to put our coats on. So I'm, I'm usually um, uh, transitional. When I'm, trans, I'm transitioning through, just like it would be in a regular day or a regular night, and and and, and I work it that way. Like in some instances, uh, well, one day uh, my protagonist is in in uh, Ottawa, in Montreal, and then he's fallen to Hong Kong. It's a different climate altogether. So we're we're looking at changes in the weather that way. But in order for me to do that, I actually have to find out what's going on in in. Uh, Hong Kong at the time and the time of season and whatnot to make it uh, viable. So um, about daydreaming, I'm I'm not sure if that would be would it be for me. It would just be like thinking, you know, in a, in a kind of esoteric way. And uh, if it comes to me, uh, yes. If it doesn't, then you know, I put it away till another time. And hopefully, it comes to me that that way. Yeah. Right. But I don't. Well, Dave's drinking whiskey when he's yeah. doing his. So yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a whole other process. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, do, do you drink when you're when you're writing? No. No, I don't mean you. I don't mean you, Al. I mean like I mean. No, I don't Dave think he does. does. I think I'm just giving him a bad time. Yeah. He's. <laughs> he's because, uh, you know. Because, you know. The, but you shouldn't be drinking when you're writing because, you know, sometimes you, the next day you look at it and say, what kind of gibberish is that? Yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> yeah. um, actually, actually, I don't drink anymore. So I keep my mind is pretty clear when I'm writing. And I think it's uh, it, it's actually it's proven itself time over time that, uh, in fact, you know, there was a, a while back when I, re I was reading uh, Stephen King's book. And in his early days, he used, to, he used to drink and he did all kinds of stuff. And he threw it all out. He says, you know, I, I couldn't create after a while because it was just like, you know, you bog your mind down with so much crap. And, uh, yeah, you're better off being clear, clear headed, I think. So, yeah. uh, anytime. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No. That's, that's my philosophy anyways. Yeah. yeah. That's my philosophy. Yeah. 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 And then Stephen King, I guess he's a new writer. I don't know. I've yeah. heard of him. Who is that guy? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look him up. I couldn't. Yeah. This the sage, the sage with so much wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what? So, what is your process then? Are you able to like? Do you plan your time? Do you sit there and kind of go, okay, well, this week there's nobody home, or I've got this to do, so I'm going to write eleven to four today and ten to two tomorrow. Can you actually sit there and plan it and then turn it on when you need to, or do you have to be in a certain mood, or does something have to happen? Is there a uh, something that you know? And do you listen to music, or do you? What's your process in writing that? Okay, my process is when I can get to it. It's that's that simple. Um, during the winter months, I have uh, more opportunity to do it because we're up in Canada and it does snow, and there's not much to do up here. I'm not a an outdoorsy kind of person when it comes to skiing or snowboarding or anything like that. So I'm in, and that's when I try to write. 
there are three weeks I go to Costa Rica every year to recharge my batteries, and I try to do a little bit there. I was down there just a while back, and I got three chapters kind of accomplished. But I'll be doing more here. And basically what it is, uh, the morning routine is get up, uh, make a cup of coffee. Sometimes I, I bring one to my wife. We sit in, in, in bed and shoot the breeze for a bit and then have our breakfast, and I come down. I do as much as I possibly can, and then, uh, you know, life happens. You know, somebody will call or something has to go. We've got to do some groceries to do. You know, I was trying to fit that that writing in when you can. Um, but uh, I know that now that the weather's going to be better. I mean, May's going to be here soon enough, and we're going to be gardening outside. I have, pro- I have a, about an eight-acre property here, and we do vegetable gardening and flower gardening. And uh, those are those are our hobbies here. So I find that I'm going to be having to write in the morning and get out there in the afternoon when the weather is warmer and get some of that done. So it's going to be a little restricted, but... Um, Sometimes, you know, you sit down and say, I don't have it today, you know, and then you start fooling around on Facebook or you start looking at uh, YouTube, what's going on, you fill out your emails. Now, other times it's just like, it's like the Niagara Falls, you can't stop, it just keeps going. And But I do catch up, and uh, and I, I think this year um, I'll probably be able to write it, I get myself a deadline by October to have this ready and have it uh, edited by November and hopefully have it out by um, next year. So the deadlines should help because the first time around I didn't have deadlines. Right. But, um, yeah. So I realized that uh, if you set your mind to it, like 500 words a day, um, like, you know, every day or at least five times out of the week, uh, within 28 weeks to 30 weeks, you should have some sort of a manuscript, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. How do you, well, how do you think um, it's changed you? Now that you've completed a book and had it published in in a lot of different ways, I'm, I'd imagine. But what what do you think the key things are that changed about you? Well, um, I'm growing in a lot of ways I hadn't for a long, long time, and um, maybe I was getting stagnant for ten years sitting around because I wasn't doing. In, in the old days, I I spoke to a lot of people and I did seminars. I visited, visited schools and did seminars. And, the, and the, the, the interaction I had when I had my business was, was wonderful. And then for 10 years, I just was more or less on hiatus just around here. And now that I'm writing, I'm finding I'm meeting more people, and I'm, I'm writing, and I'm getting an opportunity to speak with you and other people like yourself. And I'm finding it's really stimulating and fun. And I'm realizing, yes, I am changing, and it's, it's good because, you know, you can never stop learning at, at any age. And you never stop um, growing and, and making new friends and uh I feel that's where I'm, I'm headed, and uh, I'm realizing that the more I put myself out there, the more people are willing to accept me, and it's uh, it's been a good transition so far, but it's just still the beginning for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a constant thing. I think the only negative thing is when you look back, you'll look at older books you've done, and you'll look at them and you go, oh, God, did I write that? <laughs> I wish I could change that, oh. you know. <laughs> that's the only thing I find. Um, I try to stay away from older books. And it scares me. It scares me when someone uh, pulls out a book or writes something and go, oh, "Wow, this is a great book!" And I'm thinking, "Oh no, it's terrible." <laughs> but it's just your own self, you know. It's not real. I mean, it was. It's fine for what it is. But in your mind, you kind of go, "Oh no, oh I would have done it so much different today than I would have mm-hmm. done it, you know, like say ten years ago." Like it's just. It's amazing, and I think that's the only negative thing about the growth with it. It's not negative. It's just kind of, ugh, you know, you spend your life rewriting all your books. <laughs> what makes a good book for you? What makes a good book? Well, something I can be satisfied with that, uh, that I can feel 
comfortable with and say, you know what, I really, really had a good time reading this. I enjoyed the plot, I enjoyed the story, and I enjoyed the uh, the, uh, the camaraderie of the of the characters. A good ending always helps. Um, sometimes I like those little twist endings. They kind of like put the little uh, cherry on top of the ice cream, you know. Oh, that was really terrific. Um, other times, well, you know, I've read lately. I've been reading um, some bios. Um, I've got a number of one I want to I want to get my hands on. I'm just waiting for the. I have a library card, and I'm waiting for them to show up. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I do a lot of different reading, um, but mostly it's uh, it's novels. I like Bosch, and I like uh, a lot of the stuff that's been turned into television shows too. And um, well. What can I say? I read I read a lot of different stuff, and you got to keep an open mind. But yeah, a good book to me is just you know got to be satisfactory at the end. You got to you got to just say you know what that was really really great because I like now that I understand a little more about the writing, I'm learning about how some of these writers write and their different techniques and some of the things that they do and use. And then I said, oh my god, I've never used that before. That's a great idea. And uh, why did he use a sentence like this? And the way the way that was put together was really beautiful, and oh, I love that description. So it's just like I'm really appreciating other authors' craft, their their handiwork, the way they put things together, the way they they make this picture they're developing. It's just wonderful. There's a lot of great great authors out there, and uh, that to me makes a great book. If I can even learn something from it, besides just being entertained, <laughs> that's even the best. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we do. I think we do, even sometimes we don't realize it. Okay, so now, are you a big social media guy? Are you? Have you got this all set up? Have you got places where readers can find you, like a, a website? And do you have Facebook or TikTok or dancing and all that? Like, what's where do people find um, Peter? Okay, Peter is at peterthomasponsa.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. I don't do the TikTok dance. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, no, no, that's not my not my bag. Um, and the books can be uh, found at Apple, Booknook, uh, Barnes and Noble, Friesen Press, um, of course Amazon. They're all there, and uh, locally they're at the uh, at the Booknook in Orangeville, Ontario. Oh yeah, and also I think I just got the um, the book has just been accepted in the catalog in the um, the, the New Tecumseh uh, Library System out here in Ontario. So it's in the library as well. And, uh, yeah, that's where they can reach me. Excellent. Of course, we'll have everything up on our site. People will be able to find you then quite easily when they're listening, and, and it'll just be one click, and they got, and they got Peter. It's right there. Okay. You know? Sounds great. So what's, yeah. what's the next book you, that you'll have out? Which one are you aiming for? Is it another Fox series um, in October and be out next year? Yeah, it's going to be another Fox, Fox series, and uh, it'll be a, a different uh, – uh, area, but you know, I won't. We won't have the treasure in this one. Um, there's certainly too many treasures out there now. But it, uh, we're going along the same lines. Maybe a political thriller, hopefully, a little bit of spy craft, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Did the pandemic affect your writing? Like, did the you know the stresses and the tension and people screaming at people and trucker rallies and all this stuff? Just does the outside world tension? interfere in your writing at all do you think yeah we were under a lot of stress i think my family and i were very stressed out about what was going on um the fact that we were prisoners in our own homes and prisoners in our own country uh wasn't good um you know yeah we uh 
we weren't happy. Yeah. No, but how it affected my writing, um, not so much. I didn't really put anything of the pandemic in my book. Uh, I didn't have it affected that way. Uh, I wrote I wrote around it because I didn't think it was something that people want to read again after being through it. It's just it was to me one of the most terrific events ever, especially for my grandkids. Yeah, you know they were both both into sports and uh, they would they play hockey and and soccer and both those things. So you have to be outside in the public and you know. I felt sorry for them because they missed a couple of years that would have been really beneficial for their growth. So, but yeah, a lot of us were really ticked off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Well, I think, I think, I think that in itself might seep into your writing a little bit without you even knowing it. You know what I mean? In in, Mm -hmm. in the back of your mind, you're kind of feeling one way and you're writing. I I don't know. I always throw that out there because you never know. I just, uh, I wonder what it'll look like in let's say 10 or 20 years when you look back at stuff and how it would look then you know and if you Mm -hmm. read your book i wonder if you'll pick up things that uh you didn't realize you know i asked that myself too not just not just uh other people i i just don't i don't know you know well no no I, i i know exactly where you're coming from i mean like when i first started writing the first article i ever wrote was for the for the dental technology journal and I still have that article, and I look at it, and I look at myself, and I says, "Wow, how was that even published?" I mean, like, it was tripe. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, the thing is, we do grow, and uh, and we do, and our, and our attitudes change, and our lives change. So you know, yeah. uh, you can't change what you did. No, no. Um, and, no, and no one wants to go back. I mean, if somebody offered me to go back, you want to be eighteen again? I said, "No." no. <laughs> I'll take the eighteen-year-old body, but uh, yeah. <laughs> But no, yeah. the rest, no, just uh, forget, yeah. you know, but that's, yeah. you know. Anyway, well, this has been, it's been fun. I've really enjoyed having you on the show. Now, of course, your book we're talking about is called Outfoxed. And, uh, of course, the writer's our guest, Peter Thomas Ponsa. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Ellen. And you too, Dave. Thanks, Peter. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This is the production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.